2: You're free. Happy Friday, TGIF. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only true democracy in talk radio. In this hour, we're going to hear from you. We want your questions, opinions, comments, and concerns. Pick up the phone and do so. 8886 Leslie, Eight 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 six five three seven five four three. 7543. What are we talking about? Well, joining us to chat about that first before we open the phone lines is Jonathan Cohn. Jonathan is a senior national correspondent at the Huff Post, uh, which uh, I do some blogging for, political blogging for. Longtime social writer. A longtime writer, excuse me, on social welfare and health care. He's also author of the book, 2007 book, Sick, The Untold Story of America's Healthcare Care Crisis. Um, more than a pleasure to have him with us. Uh, Jonathan, thank you for joining us and taking some uh, moments out of your time. You wrote a great piece uh, for the Huff Post, as it's called now. A lot of us uh, also know it as formerly Huffington Post. You put, Paul Ryan was right, you title your piece, This Was a Defining Moment for the Republican Party. Democrats sang as Republicans left after getting that vote by, you know, winning by just one vote, that, you know, very slim margin. Even the president said this wasn't a huge victory, which is surprising for him to not uh, take credit for something that's not always uh, accurate. Uh, But Democrats sang, you know, na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye. Um, How defining a moment was it for the Republican Party? Because as you rightly uh, point out, they— Chose to provide tax cuts for millionaires over insurance for millions. And in that pool of millions are people who voted for them before and may not in the midterms.
3: Right. So when you look at uh, the health care bill that uh, Republicans just passed out of the House, the, the bill that would repeal the Affordable Care Act, you know, the, the conversation always gets really detailed really quickly, and it's easy to lose track of what's happening there, you know, oh, there's pre-existing conditions and there's, you know, reimbursement rates and state waivers and et cetera, et cetera. So what I wanted to do, and I think it's important, is just to take a step back. And and, and always a good bet when you're looking at a piece, a bill, a piece of legislation is just follow the money. Wherever the money goes, that'll tell you what's really going on there. And the fact of the matter is that this proposal, if it became law, would drain a, a trillion dollars out of the health out of healthcare programs over the next decades. So federal health care programs would lose a trillion dollars. And, and and when I say federal health care programs, I mean this is money that is today helping poor, lower and middle income people get health care. So you're taking a trillion dollars out of that. And that is a trillion dollars that right now those you know millions of Americans are using to help them get healthcare. In some cases from Medicaid, in some cases because they get tax credits that let them buy private insurance, but it's the same thing. It's money to help people buy health insurance they could not afford otherwise. So you're taking that money out. And at the same time, this bill gives about $600 billion in tax breaks uh, to corporations that are part of the healthcare system and, and, and to wealthy individuals. And I want to be clear, when I say wealthy individuals, you know that gets thrown out a lot and wealthy you know wealthy could be you know people who are relatively affluent you know someone's got a nice house made, but they're still it's not like they're rich when i say wealthy i mean really wealthy i mean super rich i mean the top Three percent of earners in the united states and 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 this figure I, I, I this comes from the center on budget and policy priorities i just i i think it's such a stunning figure the 400 richest households in america they each get a tax break that will be a, worth an average of seven million dollars each so what? yeah right crazy right So, you know, that's the trade here. And, you know, we can talk about the different provisions, and we should, and the details. Lord knows this is what I do for a living is I talk about these details. So they're important, and, you know, pre-existing conditions and and how the Medicaid form. this is all really important, and people should understand that. But if it's too confusing, you want to know what's going on here, just remember, they're taking health. They're taking health insurance away from people, and they're using that money to give tax breaks to some of the people in America who, who, who least need it.
2: Right now, um, the senators are saying, "Look, you know, we're not going to pass this." I mean, you know, even uh, even very staunch Republican senators from very red states like you know Tennessee, you know, are, are saying this isn't going to pass. But one thing that I have seen, and I am a Democrat, uh, by Democrats and Republicans, is they do have some agreement, which is. We really would like what the President said was going to be in this bill, and it doesn't seem that it will be possible, especially we'll know more once uh, the CBO releases the report, you know, the true numbers, which they should have waited for, I think most people agree, in the House. And that is, one, nobody loses coverage, two, people with pre-existing conditions will not be turned away by uh, insurance companies, and three, that premiums go down, and one of the problems that people had with and one of the areas that people wanted fixed with the Affordable Care Act, with Obamacare, um, came either under one, two, or all three of those categories. So it, it, it would seem impossible that Republicans can keep their promises, and Republicans are, are very guilty of exactly what Democrats uh, were charged by Republicans uh, you know, doing before, which is rushing, uh, not knowing really what is in it, and having something so big – put together so fast that there are going to be cracks. This is going to have a lot of cracks as well but, but you know throw these people with pre-existing conditions to the curbs because it does not forbid insurance companies from throwing them off the rolls and we know that those uh, you know those risk pools I think are are appropriately named. they're high risk they're difficult to fund. where's the funding coming from for this one and they're spotty at best historically.
3: Yeah, I mean, the fundamental fact of, of of the House debate, the House bill, and really the last seven years since the Affordable Care Act became law and Republicans have you know declared war on it, is that Republicans have promised something they have no interest in delivering. They have said, we are going to give you better health care to more people at lower cost. And they kept saying that, and they kept saying that. And anybody who understood health care policy, And even if you didn't understand, I mean, this is common sense. It's like, no, you really can't do that. That's impossible. There are trade-offs here. You know, the Affordable Care Act was the sort of Democrats' best effort to get at that within the political constraints they had. You know, and it made things better overall, but not for everybody. Uh, Republicans come and say, no, no, we're going to give you everything you want, won't have out-of-pocket costs that are very high, you know the premiums will be under control, everyone with pre-existing conditions will be able to get health insurance. Well, of course they can't do that, and, and only can they not do that because it's pie-in-the-sky unicorn stuff. They can't do it because at a fundamental level – they just don't even believe in it. I mean, to, to do this, to get to universal health care, you have to do some combination of spending government money and either creating a government program or regulating private insurance. They don't want to do that. And what happened when they went to the House to do this bill is that you know they actually had to finally – someone said, all right, here you go. go. Go write your bill. And the bill doesn't look anything like that. 24 million people lose health insurance from it. And the solution the Republicans came up with was to lie, and I, I am using the word lie. Um, I actually don't use the word lie a lot. I, 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 I think in general most of what we call lies are frequently exaggerations, hyperbole, statements. I try to be careful about that. These are lies. These are these are blatant lies. They are telling about what the law, what the bill would do, and then they ran it through the process so quickly so no one could get a get a get a look at it. Which, by the way, is not what the Democrats did in 2010. I mean that process was messy and had problems. And the law, could, you know, you could say the law is terrific, you can say it's terrible, whatever. But they spent more than a year debating it. They had committee hearings. They had multiple CBO analyses. You know, they just ran this, and that's how they got it through the House. Now, the question is, what's the Senate going to do? Many of them have made the same promises, you know, good coverage, you know, better coverage, and they're already expressing misgivings about what this House bill would do. So the question is, all right, but, you know, now's your chance to sort of step up to the plate. Are they going to write a bill that's actually, you know, are they going to write a bill that's closer to their rhetoric and and, and be honest about where it falls short, or are they going to try to do what the House did? Pretend it is something that it's not and try to ram it through the process. And and I think that is something to watch.
2: You know, Nancy Pelosi said this. I said this earlier on television. A lot of people are using the phrase uh, Republicans walked the plank. Um, they're going to recess. They wanted to give it to the Senate. They know the Senate's going to change it or not pass it. Um, is this a continuation of the symbolism that Republicans have, I feel, been obsessed with, the obsession of – uh, repealing and replacing the Affordable Care Act, even with over seven years having nothing to replace it with. And and now um, I don't even view this as a replacement. I view this as taking parts of the plan they don't like away, adding things they want, but pretty much, even Rand Paul said this, leaving Obamacare uh, essentially somewhat intact. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I so I, I I've heard. I actually take it. I have a different take, which is uh, a little bit. Which is, I I, I think this is my my answer is when they say repeal and replace is that I, I think you don't call it replace. I think it is repeal. I mean, I, I think this is a sledgehammer to the program. Um, there the, the the infrastructure, the sort of framework. Some of the framework would remain, but this is a totally different. I mean, if you think about what I, I think the bottom line here is if you think about what is the sort of aspiration of the affordable care? What What is the goal of Obamacare? It is to make a guarantee to every American that no matter what your income is, no matter what your medical condition is, that you will get insurance that is within your price range and will let you get medical care without, you know, facing financial ruin. Now, I don't think it achieved that. I think even it's, Staunchest defenders would say, no, we haven't gotten there. I think it moved the country closer to that, but it didn't get there. Um, that principle is, is in the DNA of the law. That is what it is trying to do. What the Republicans are proposing, and, and, and obviously there's a spectrum, but it, it, it falls short of that. It is fundamentally, it is, to some extent, they're saying we're willing to give some money to help some people pay for their health care. But we are not prepared to make that guarantee, and it's a question of how far short of the guarantee it falls. But that's a very different beast. So I actually think – when I hear them say repeal and replace, I always – my argument has been it's not replace. It's repeal. And then it's to create something else, a different thing. You might like it better. You might think it's you know the trade-offs are more worthwhile. That's a perfectly legitimate argument to have. But but don't pretend. Because uh, I think Republicans say this I'm I'm like, don't pretend you're replacing this. Don't pretend that you're trying to provide the same guarantee because you're not. I mean that is not what you want to do. You want to do different things with the money. You want to have those tax breaks for corporations and business. You don't want to regulate uh, insurance. You, you you're not comfortable. You know you get. Kind of nervous about giving people health insurance through Medicaid because you think it's going to make them lazy. So whatever, make that argument. Don't, don't, don't pretend that you're also trying to do universal health care.
2: We're going to take a break when we, uh, well, and we thank you for being with us today. I know you only had uh, a little bit of time, and we will have you back on again. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, you uh, thanks been... for having me on the show. All right, Jonathan, I really appreciate have you back. Jonathan Cohn, senior national correspondent at the Huff Post, Huffington Post, and uh, the website is HuffPost.com. dot Twitter. Follow him at Citizen Cohn, C-O-H-N. I'm Leslie Marshall. When we come back, we open up the phone lines. Did the Republicans just walk the plank? 8886, Leslie. eight 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 six five three seven five four three. What's going to happen in the Senate? 8886, Leslie. Is all of this bravado uh, talk from the Democrats singing, you know, hey, hey, goodbye to Republicans, just that? A bunch of bravado because if we Democrats don't get off our ass and vote in the midterms, it's just lip service will things change historically democrats don't come out Millennials don't come out women don't come out as much as the white guys who vote republican pick up the phone and join me 8886 leslie 888-653-7543 can the president keep his promise that no one will lose their health insurance a lot of people felt that when president obama said if you like your plan you can keep it that was a bit overzealous is this 888 eight, eight, Leslie, 888 653 7543. Your reaction, your predictions, your answers to those questions and more coming up right after this. Pick up the phone and join me. 888 eight, eight, Leslie, 888 653 7543. Tweet me by following me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. Back in a moment. Join me now. Don't go away.
0: Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth the leslie marshall show give her a call now at 888-6 leslie
2: Welcome, welcome back only true Democracy and Talk Radio. By just one vote, the House passed the Trump Care, the American Health Care Act, yesterday, as you know, and we discussed it yesterday on the show. Further conversation now as it goes to the Senate. Senators on both sides of the aisle are saying this isn't going to pass. And people like Tim Kaine are saying, Senator Kaine is saying, look. We are willing to work with Republicans to give what the president said he would give. Nobody losing coverage. Everybody with a pre-existing condition will continue to be covered. Their premiums won't go up, and future people, because people are born with pre-existing conditions, obviously, and that premiums will go down. How do you do that without a report from the CBO? And is that even possible? Some people say we're headed for a single payer plan. Even some Republicans say that, and that, would be even left of the Hillary supporters more on the lines of what Bernie wants, right? A single payer option, Medicare for all. Pick up the phone and join me. What do you predict will happen with this plan? How long will it take? Is it truly a repeal and a replace? And speaking of replace, Will Republicans be replaced in the midterms as a result of this? 888 6 Leslie, 888 653 7543 is the number. Let's go to the calls. Pick up the phone and join me. I want to go. I want to take a lot of calls. I can't take a lot of calls unless I have a lot of callers, obviously. 888 6 Leslie, 888 653 7543. But I will go to you when your calls are there. Uh, to chat with you, because I'd rather hear from you than just have me blabbing on, right? Let's go to Robert on Line 3 in Charlottesville, Virginia, listening on 94.7 FM WPVC. Robert, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Robert, what's your take on this?
0: Well, uh, I have ulcerative colitis. I was diagnosed with it in uh, 2013, so I'm a little spooked about the pre-existing condition scare.
2: And what, do you, what are you spooked about? Because you hear a lot of different things. There was a guy earlier today on CNN who said, you know nobody with pre-existing condition would lose the insurance. But if the bill uh, were to become law in its current form, that that's a lie. Um, basically, what it would do is it, it would clear the way for insurance companies to clear you and others with pre-existing conditions off of their their uh, their panels. Um, so it would lower premiums for the other folks, the healthy or healthier folks. Right, exactly. And 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 then you know you're supposed to have this risk pool of cash, but I mean, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know eight billion dollars is not going to cover you know twenty some million people pre existing conditions. Not even factoring in numerically those who could be born from this day forward with pre existing conditions.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, my my condition is actually something doctors tell me that it's they don't know what caused it, but it's no, by no means something that I did to myself, so I don't know if I was born with it or, or what. But without insurance, this the cost of my stuff just skyrockets. It's flabbergasting. I've had to just turn down a couple of medications I've been prescribed because the insurance I had didn't, in the past didn't cover it. And one thing that's also really concerning is that sexual assault is being put under a pre existing condition now, and it's like telling the, the idea that, People are being told that if you it, – it, it's, it's utterly disgusting that people can't report that they've been assaulted. It's, I'm beyond words practically. I, uh, I'm in uh, Tom Garrett's district, if I recall. Yeah, Tom Garrett, and uh, he's, he voted for this, unfortunately. He flip-flopped on this. He's uh, not getting my vote. He's lost his chance.
2: What are you hearing where you are? Uh, in your state and specifically in your district you were one vote that's just flipped and i would imagine you know because your situation physically uh is, is going to remain unfortunately like you said you know this is a pre-existing condition a condition you're going to have uh going forward are there others that you've talked to that are like-minded and are saying look and i voted for you before but you're not going to get my vote in the midterm we'll be back to you if you're holding hang on you want to join us pick up the phone and do so do you have a pre-existing condition like our caller here, are you fearful? Or do you think this is politics as usual and speaking of, do you feel your politicians have thrown you as a person completely under the bus here? 8886 Leslie regret and will it be na 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 hey hey goodbye mark see if you can find that song because my singing saying it is really nasty (laughs) and i'll be the first to admit it i'm leslie marshall welcome or welcome back only true democracy and talk radio chuckling about the song yeah you know if all people in my life were just that quick when i asked them to do something mark thank you thank you I train my husband to be like that. Anyway, I literally um, did
3: that so fast I like smashed my hand into a wood table <laughs> by accident.
2: Do not but, file. Don't file work. Don't file condition. work work comp. Mark exactly because uh. that'll be pre-existing condition going forward. Yeah, you read my mind. Well, great minds think alike. Well, let's take more calls. Robert, we were just talking to you, at a pre-existing condition. He had to go. Robert, thank you for your uh, input. But he's not alone. There are so many people out there. Many of you listening to me right now, who are really fearful. Either you, your parent, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, child, sister, brother, somebody, know somebody, I do, that has a pre-existing condition. And what about babies that are being born right now as we speak in this country with a pre-existing condition? What is the future for them? Now, Republicans will say that Democrats are just trying to scare the living bejesus out of you. But we're not. There is a fact. The only, you know, one of the things that Republicans hated about the Affordable Care Act is that people had a mandate to have insurance, okay? So when you take away that mandate, what does that do? That says that a lot of the young, healthier segment of those roles can, if they want, leave, and they might opt to. And then if they do and choose anyone not to have insurance, what happens? they go to the emergency room and then what happens especially when more people are becoming seniors and as we age we get sick what happens then you have emergency rooms overburdened with so many patients and not enough medical teams to take care of those patients now these are just these are not just statements i say i'm not just, this is not opining this is fact If you look at how many hospitals have closed throughout the United States, there are people in rural areas, you're listening to me, many of you, in rural areas of the United States that have to drive an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, just to get to a medical facility. If somebody doesn't have insurance, they're not being checked at the doctor's office. They're going to get help that they know they can't be turned away from at the ER when it reaches critical mass. And by the way, folks, that's exactly the reason originally we needed reform in the first place. So what this bill will do if it becomes law is send us right back to where we were. Overburdened ERs forcing more hospitals to close because they can't cover the costs. We have not done nothing to address the litigiousness of our society and the rate of malpractice insurance and how many claims and doctors are being sued. That's why less people are going into medicine. And no incentive for people not to specialize you know, you make about eighty-seven thousand a year at Kaiser San Diego, starting off as an internist or a GP. Now, some of you might say that's a lot of money. It really isn't when doctors used to make three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year for the same position, especially when you come out of school and you have a quarter of a million dollar in student loan debt, and your malpractice insurance is going to be forty, fifty grand a year, and maybe your employer won't cover it. And if you want to join a group, you're going to buy in anywhere between and one hundred and fifty thousand and a million dollars. I'm not getting the violin out on doctors. I'm just showing you the cycle of problems here. And that's just with removing the mandate. Okay? Then what happens? Well, then the insurance companies are going to have to increase the rates. I mean, they're losing people. Hello. And then what else are they going to have to do? To offset that, Right? what are they going to have to do? So Republicans can help corporations, these poor insurance companies, where these presidents are making seven figures and have a golden parachute, even if they fail and I digress, what what do they do? They say, you know what, you can take the people with pre-existing conditions off, and, and then you can offer the healthy people um, a lower premium or maybe a lower deductible. And some of you go, yeah, but what happens to those people with pre-existing conditions? Oh, don't worry about it. They say, we're going to have a risk pool. But the risk pool A is risky. And that's not just me. That's historically, look it up. The stats are there. Two, $8 billion is not going to fund over 20 million people with a pre-existing condition. It does nothing to cover the future. Three, we don't even know how that's going to be funded. And four, that's not in the current bill. That's lip service from the president. Sorry, I don't trust the guy much. Do you? So what that does, by having a risk pool, it basically says, look, we have money so you can buy insurance. What it doesn't tell you is the insurance companies can raise your rate so high that it doesn't matter how much money's in that risk pool and you're not go- you're not going to be able to afford the insurance. So quite frankly, I'm not trying to scare you, but if you have a pre-existing condition, you have every right to be scared. And it's the people out there with the pre-existing conditions, even more so, who need to be the most vocal now and through that midterm election. Because this is not political for you, it's personal. And more than personal, it's physical. It, rega- it, it involves you personally and your physical health. And this is just a reality. This is a reality. If you have a pre-existing condition, with Obamacare, insurance companies could not refuse you insurance and could not charge you more. If you have AIDS, an insurance company with this new plan can say, I'm going to deny you coverage. And the insurance company with this new plan also could say, "Well, I won't deny you coverage, or you can stay with me, pick an insurance company, Joe's Insurance, but I'm going to increase your, your your premiums by 137 percent." And nothing stops them from doing that. That is frightening. That's un-American. It's inhumane. Those are not family values. That is not being pro-life. And it's certainly not being pro-American. leslie Eight 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 six five three seven five four three is the number. Let's go to the calls. And, Robert, uh, thank you for calling. We hope to hear from you again. Uh, let's go next to Ignacio on line two in Buena Park, California. Hi, Ignacio. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us.
4: Good afternoon. How are you doing, Leslie? Good. Hey, this whole thing has energized me to think about getting involved again in politics. I was an ad- activist for quite a few years, about 25 years ago. And this whole thing has energized me to get off my butt and instead of retiring, thinking about getting involved and stopping uh, a lot of these politicians that are doing the wrong thing. The high-risk pools we did in California a few years back, and it was a big disaster, literally a disaster. So we know it doesn't work. And,
2: so, expl- and explain to folks so, so they understand. Because some people have never heard even the term high-risk pools until, you know, uh, you know, yesterday. And yeah. so, Ignacio, explain to people wh- why it doesn't work.
4: It doesn't work because, number one, it, it sets up uh, long lines to for those who are treated. And by the time they get to you, you're probably already dead from what you already got. So by the time they get to you, they say, okay, well, here you go. You, you, you can now get the care that you need. And it's like you're already dead, so they have to give it to somebody else, which is in line, which will probably be dead by the time they get to them. And it just doesn't work. It it does not work. We've done it. And the Republicans, for some reason, they don't listen to history. And what is the adage? If you don't listen to history, she's bound to repeat herself. And this is the biggest problem that we have, that no one is listening to the facts. It's been done before. The tax thing that they want to do, that's been done for 20-some-odd years during the Republican administrations of Reagan, Bush, and Bush. And, you know, and they don't get it. It does not work. And America is, doesn't wake up. And this is what's kind of energizing me to say, you know what, I got to get back involved. Because when I was an activist, I did a lot of sweeping changes in a small town where I live because of the fact that I told people, look, don't be blind. Open your eyes. Look at what's going on. You have to look at the facts. And people followed me only because of the fact that I, I, I told them, look prove me wrong prove me wrong and they couldn't prove me wrong so they followed me and we made sweeping changes in the town I was and it was it was glorious I mean I loved it but then you know I I I, for the past 20 some odd years I've been trying to get people to get on board and they haven't so I decided I was going to retire from everything and now with the Republicans doing it I'm deciding I'm going to get back involved in it only because of the simple fact that to do nothing is worse than to try to fix things you know what, what was the old adage he who does harm does more harm by doing nothing you know
2: um i would agree with you 100 percent very well said and I, and I think one good thing donald trump has done is he sparked people to become more involved not just show up and vote become more involved hopefully people will show up even more so and vote ignacio thank you for the call let's go to eric also in california but in eureka on line four uh eric good afternoon
5: Hi. Uh, I had a couple of comments. Uh, The first one is, I don't think anybody should be at all surprised by what the Republicans just did. Uh, It is an almost perfect expression of the values of the party. It's the most massive uh, redistribution of wealth from the poor to the rich. So if you believe that a person's life and what their opportunities and what they should be expecting to get are based on their economic condition, then you could be a Republican. (laughs) Uh, If you you believe that people who can't afford food should die, then you could be a Republican. Uh, This is a group of people who have taken to heart this concept that regardless of the privileges they're born into, regardless of all the advantages they have, regardless of any of that, that the people who have money deserve it, and the people that don't, well, they don't. And I just, I just don't think that there's any reason to believe that whatever dressing the Senate puts on it, it's going to seriously have some kind of a different conviction behind it.
2: Well, I, I agree with you because um, one of the things that some Republicans in the Senate won't sign on for, and certainly Democrats won't, uh, they're not going to sign on unless there's a guarantee that every single person is covered and every single person with a pre existing condition will not be turned away by insurance. And in its current form, it doesn't do that. And it's a big leap to make those changes. And then, of course, I think when we see the CBO numbers come out, I think we'll see in the CBO that. Uh, that it's not going to be able to reduce the premiums the way they thought, and certainly not if they continue to keep people with pre-existing conditions covered and protected. Well, no, and they don't really care about people with pre-existing conditions or
5: people in poverty or people who are working poor. They don't care. They think those people have those conditions, and it's their own fault, and too bad. And I really, you know, it's not just health policy. It's tax policy. Look at the tax proposals. It's everything that underlies the Republican Party. And the only way they get 51% is they go ranting and raving about abortion and gay rights and things like that. But their economic agenda has been pretty clear for the last 40 years. And it is redistributive. And it is trying to take money away from people at the bottom and give it to the people at the top. You do that by not allowing changes in minimum wage. You do that by preventing unions from coming forward. You do that by all of the things that the Republicans are really for can be explained uh, by that economic calculus. All
2: right. Thank you.
5: Those are my thoughts.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you sharing them with us. Very well said. Eight 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 six Leslie. Eight 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 six five three seven five four three is the number. Let's go to Dean on line four in Buffalo, New York. Dean is listening to us on Spreaker. Spreaker is a division of iHeartRadio, and they provide our live stream at lesliemarshallshow.com. Dean, hello, Dean. We just lost Dean, I think. Dean, give us a buzz back, 8886-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Let's go to Reggie next, Reggie in Decatur, Georgia. He's also listening on Spreaker. Hi, Reggie. Good afternoon.
1: Reggie? Yes, how you doing, Leslie? Good. Um, I, wonder, I wonder exactly what would happen to the GOP and to Donald J. Trump himself. If he and his uh, kids or grandkids or the GOP families came down with preexisting conditions, how would they feel about that then if it happened to them instead of to everybody else that they trying to deny, deny health COVID for? What if it was them that had preexisting medical health conditions? had to be
2: covered i think part of the problem is i think some people especially when you're wealthy remember that the congressional members have the an an opt-out ability an exemption for themselves i mean if you love something so much you'd want it you'd want it for yourself and for your families you wouldn't want an exemption or be able to opt out and i think it's very i think that's very telling so why would they care when you know they and their family are covered they're not. They're not. They're not going to be covered under the crap that they're mm-hmm. expecting the American people uh, to be covered under, just for the sake, you know, that they can say we've got, you know, after seven and a half years, you know, uh, a check mark in the repeal replace call.
1: Right. They're so obsessed with repealing Obamacare, replacing it with Trump Care, which does no good for the American people, even themselves included, especially themselves in particular. Why are they so obsessed with that? You know, up here. Hello?
2: Yes, I'm listening to you,
1: Reggie. Oh, yeah, how are they? Why are they so obsessed with replacing and repealing Obamacare and replacing it with Trump care?
2: Which, Be, which, because it's symbolic. It is symbol- It is symbolic. And by the way, notice that Trump doesn't want his name on it, probably because if you know, he knows when the he look. He saw numbers last time around with you know, plan one, plan two. I don't think the the numbers going to be that different. Reggie, thank you for the call. Let's go to Washington with Paul next. Paul, good afternoon. Hi. Hello. Are you there? Yes, I
6: am. Okay. I, I think we need to move on to a, a, another concept, and that is this: we need to in this nation come to grips with the idea that health is not an insurable thing. It doesn't fit the insurance model because it doesn't have a finite value. Unless you're willing to assign a finite dollar value to it, like your car or your house or anything else that's insurable, we're going to keep having this argument over and over again and wrestling back and forth politically depending on who happens to – be in political power at the time you can't you can't do that the, the argument of in the history of health insurance when it first came up in the 1860s the, health, the insurance company said what that doesn't make any sense that doesn't make any sense to, because what is the value of the life only sick people will want it and back in those days There is really nothing a doctor could do for you if you were either going to make it or you weren't going to make it. So now we're down to the argument of, well, how much should an insurance company pay when you're sick? Okay, so my wife had breast cancer in 2000. She didn't live to see Obamacare, but she had her insurance canceled. She was forced onto uh, state catastrophic insurance. And, you know, in the last year of her life, after she, she was seven and a half years clear before it returned. And then things got very expensive. And the last year of her life was very expensive. And I said to her, I said, you know, the insurance companies did the right thing to get rid of you because you're a lot of expense. And it's like, at what point should we have just said, you know, you're costing too much money? Why should we be paying all this money when we know that in a matter of three or four months, you're going to be dead? This is ridiculous. No, we pay what we pay. I guess, the, I guess the break point is when the insurance company says, you know, we'd rather foist this off onto the taxpayers because we're not making any money on this person anymore. We need a new consciousness in this country, and that is that health is the cost. The health care of a nation is the cost. It's just what it costs. It's because that's collectively it's what we pay. It's whoever's it's – what the real argument is is who can get out of paying that cost. And so insurance, the insurance model just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. It's, it's, uh, it was mistakenly assigned to our, in our nation back in, uh, well, the first insurance plan with 1929 was when we, when we had Blue Cross at the Baylor Hospital in Dallas, Texas. That's where it started. But it doesn't meet it, – it's, it's a path dependence that things aren't the same anymore.
2: We very, see- and very, very, good, very good points, Paul. Unfortunately, I'm up against the clock. We've got to take a break and talk media news is waiting on the other side live from a nation's capital right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. Joined uh, from my nation's capital with Talk Media News. I don't know who it is today. Is it
5: Patrick? Patrick. Hey, how are you? Patrick, Patrick.
2: hey, very quickly, we've got less than a minute. Tell us what's up.
5: Well, we're all sort of looking at the fallout from yesterday's vote on health care, not only sort of what that bill's chances are in the Senate, which is basically zero, at least as it's currently, and also what sort of long-term implications there might be for the Republican Party. As you probably have already noted, uh, Democrats were seeming, Even celebrating after the House vote uh, because they were anticipating Republicans losing a lot of seats as a result of the health care vote. That that obviously will be determined later, but a lot of political pundits are already saying that some of these... uh
2: They're posting that officially on the Republican site they have deleted their promise to protect pre-existing conditions. America, you've been had. Thank you, Patrick. Patrick Gavin, live from a nation's capital with Talk Media News. I'm Leslie Marshall. Always more to come on the only True Democracy in Talk Radio.